You're listening to the Spirit Hunters on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Check us and our new friends out at greenlitpodcast.com. Hey, this is Ramey from Say the X. We have some very special guests tonight from the excellent podcast, The Spirit Hunters. Uh, say hi to Joe. Hey, this is Joe. And Patrick. How's it going, everyone? And of course, the rest of the crew here at Say the X is Rick. Hey. And John. Hello. All right, cool. So tonight we're doing something real special. We are uh, going to be looking at the Battleship Island arc, sort of mini arc in from the 1999 Hunter Hunter anime. Uh, we haven't we haven't watched this at all. Uh, the people from Say the X, me, John, and Rick. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was really fun. We did the, this is content that's not in the manga or in the 2011 anime. It's, it's a filler episode. So it you basically guys- is the, it basically was when, uh, Hunter Hunter became one piece <laughs> oh, that one for just a minute, uh, for, for Rick and John, one piece is a pirate, uh, manga. I, I know what one piece okay, is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you know. <clears throat> um, so, so uh, Joe, Patrick, somebody, could you could you just give us a real quick overview of what happened in this episode? Yeah. Uh, did you so, want to go ahead, Joe? Yeah, man. Uh, so for some really quick background, this should take place between the Trick Tower arc and Zevil Island, which two, for the most part, occur as they do in the manga and the 2011 version in 1999's version. Um, but it's sort of an intermediate uh, area where basically they're dropped off and they think they're going to have like a little break between phases, which, you know, doesn't really happen otherwise. I guess there were some points on the airship like that. But when they get there, they realize that they're kind of stranded and they need to stay in a hotel or possibly dehydrate in the island sun. And in order to do so, they have to find treasure that is conveniently placed directly outside of the hotel, which the hotel is a uh, beached battleship. And so during their treasure hunting, uh, they find exotic things, find a little bit about different characters. Uh, None of this is, you know, canonical, but the sketches kind of follow along with what had been established to this point. But in the middle of the night, after giving all the treasure to the elderly innkeepers, the innkeepers suddenly leave on an airship, leaving everyone stranded. And uh, effectively, a escape room starts to take place, an escape room (laughs) or a mystery room, however you want to do it. It's it's like an escape room if the escape room is the entirety of the ocean. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but they have to um, sort of they they have to sort of point by point go through all the things they need to do. Well, hold on. Big plot twist. There is a huge I don't even know what to call it of a, a, a tidal wave slash water spout tsunami. Yeah. Uh that's that's going to but there's also a tornado involved. Uh that's going to that's going to sink a hurricane technically. No, they're not exactly the same. It's a, it's, yeah. it's yeah. something else. Yeah, it's hurricanes, it's um, cyclone, but it's not a tornado. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, they they find in like logbooks left in the ship that there's apparently a uh, once a decade thermal inversion uh, that occurs, 
which uh, is a weather phenomena that does not exactly have this kind of effect, especially uh, the effect that this has on communications equipment. But it makes it so they can't radio out to, you know, to habited land and also that there's going to be a giant tidal wave that will sweep away everyone and everything in the area. And this apparently happens enough that uh, one, there's records of it and two, there's barnacles on top of the on top of the tallest buildings. Yeah, to actually, to be honest, that actually is like, like that was canonical. I mean, sorry, it was kind of accurate where you can, it, depending on atmospheric conditions, you wouldn't be able to get signals on what they're using a shortwave radio, which I assume that was what he was using and not like a two way or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and call BS on that. I'm a ham radio operator and it doesn't really work that way if the ionosphere is not affected. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, damn, I got straight. Straight called out. My, my, <laughs> no, it's okay, man. Rick's Rick's been trying to to work in their their ham radio stuff in every episode. We just cut it out. Yeah, <laughs> like every episode. He's like, it's well, amazing. actually, man. every episode. Like, 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 let me, yeah, man, <laughs> let me tell you from a ham radio operator's perspective. This part of the episode. <laughs> Again, the the one uh, the one podcast with another ham radio operator. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, they've got this weather thing that's that's entirely fictional, but you know, is cool. It was a great plot device for sure. It was. It was a great plot device, and yeah. then they have to sort of, and this is sort of the escape room where they have to sort of solve all the little problems in order to get out of the situation. All of which has to do with arming and make and and and. Arming and and helping and, and getting the ship out of the rock it's buried in and making sure that it can move and survive the waves that are coming, um, and that's the bulk of the second and third episode. Basically, well, and are, and they're arming like what is it five hundred millimeter cannons? I mean, these are forty not... centimeter, forty centimeter, so four hundred no, millimeter, four hundred millimeter cannons. Okay, <laughs> so that's pretty inches. big. Yeah, big guns. So like. Like three feet almost. What, I'm sorry, I missed that. What's what's that in what's that in like inches, like feet? Um, that's one and a third foot, I think, because a centimeter is approximately uh, a foot is approximately thirty centimeters. Yeah. Gotcha. So so yeah. yeah, a little over a foot. Yeah, fifteen point seven inches. If if you wanna. There we go. I get so really that's really accurate. Big. That's a that that you know that, and that's the diameter of the of the shell, right? I have, I'm not a gun guy, so. Someone tell me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the it's basically the the radius, the circle of the barrel. Okay. Yeah. Um, you essentially just don't want to get sh- be shot by that for sure. <laughs> yeah, you'd definitely get get turned into uh, Newman's own organic spaghetti sauce if that happened. Are um, any of you uh, like navally inclined? I, I ask because um, I'm kind of wondering about the inspiration for this ship because it strikes me, in my very uneducated opinion, as like World War Two ish. Yeah, that's what it looks yeah. like to me. Yeah, and everything's everything's like, yeah, I would say I would say probably World War Two. It's, it's, yeah, it's very you know battleship Yamamoto kind of vibe. It has you know that's you mean Yamato? They, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but it's it's got Yamato like, thing from Gundam, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's got the real World War Two vibe. Um, it's it's weird. There are some things coupled with the World War II ship in this episode that took me back, like made me go, "Wait a minute! Why are they talking about that? Does that exist in this universe?" Yeah. Uh, so because again, having that ship there 
does kind of like make you think like did world war two happen in this universe i don't <laughs> it's very odd and then earlier yeah. they find treasure and drop goes like oh yeah that was the queen of england's and i'm like what the f- england yeah yeah the time frame doesn't really it's kind of weird and the whole hunter hunter universe because it seems like it started out like in the, maybe the the 20s and it goes on it's like oh yeah we have internet now it's like oh i guess we're 2000s yeah i think it's just a weird world i mean we've we've talked about this a little on on our podcast but it's just it's not like it's set in any particular world it's set in the world it's set in and you know whatever the rules are those are the rules yeah for some weird perspective um when you see a world map and you see the area that no no no, don't tell them this don't tell them Oh, uh, um, I thought this was discussed with Hanzo. Oh, no, we, we're right. We've seen the map. We've seen the map. It's like a flipped map, right? Yeah. It's like an inverted. But it's a little our, Pangea. Our it's a little Pangea-y also. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah like no, I was thinking the same Pangea. thing. Um, but like when they show Japan, it's labeled as Japan in Japanese, which it would never be called Japan in. So that's already <laughs> kind of like a weird like and like literally the translation of the characters is Japan, the phonetics, that's, which is really yeah, weird. That's freaking. And then they, they reference England in this. So it's kind of a weird world. It is a weird world. Uh, Speaking of weird worlds. I, but but you know what? I, I actually I actually chalk that up more to how little this is like any other part of hunter hunter uh than than to any sort of like intended canon mm-hmm. yeah this didn't feel anything like hunter hunter to me it kind of yeah. i don't kind of vibed off from what i'm usually expecting but maybe it might be because it's 99 as well yeah you were gonna say something rick sorry yeah so there was this scene between um when and this is jumping into, I think, the second episode uh, where Hanzo gets them to cooperate. And he talks about the the concept of the ninja concept of wa, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it flashes for a second the character for wa. And then we cut to Leorio trying to figure out how that would actually be. Yes. Like he's air drawing it, right? Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that I thought was really interesting about that exchange is that Hanzo talks about my country, but apparently all of the countries that everyone is from speak Japanese and use the same characters. Oh, or, that's, just, that's just fictional usefulness. They use the translation device, the automatic translation device, like in yeah. Star Trek and the other sci-fi shows. Yeah, they've got – or or there's a common language in this world. Well, and, and that's the thing is like the common language in the um, in the 2011 is that, that really weird – uh, hunter language uh, mm-hmm. that they they have the translation clips uh, in the in the first twenty six episodes where yeah. like um, <clears throat> you know it gives you the um, it gives you the kanji and then the hunter and then or yeah. first it gives you the hunter and then when uh, and then when they come back from commercial uh, they give you the kanji for it uh, and and so. so uh, I was just wondering if if this is like you know if this is World War Two is this is this a World War is this a World War Two that Japan won? This is a World War Two. Sorry, sorry. This is a uh, a world where uh, Esperanto was actually a successful language. Yeah, no, but it was based but, but on to, Japanese. But to answer your question, yeah, I, I don't think I, I like. I think once we go down that path, we're we're in a lot of trouble. And mm-hmm. and it's one of the problems with this with with this episode. Like I said, is that is that it really doesn't. Like it doesn't have the feel of anything in Hunter Hunter, uh, both and in really terms quickly, of the. Sorry, 
I was going to say, I'd really quickly add that um, the 99 version maintains the uh, syllabary that's used in like the manga and 2011. And I think this is more a lapse on the animator's part on just uh, making it very distinctly Japanese in a way that is world-breaking. Yeah, exactly. Um, there are a bunch of other things, but but like, can can I just talk about a couple of the things that really struck me as very different? Go for sure. It. Um, so... One thing is, is this very, like, not linear, but but very, here's the problem and here's how we're going to solve it. And then we're going to go work on those things and there will be minor problems. And, but at the end, we'll pull it out. Like, that is so not what Hunter Hunter does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, if this had actually been a Togashi story, it would have been a huge disaster where nothing would have gone right. There have been at least, like, three people backstabbing each other. Yeah, exactly. Like, the fact that everybody just sort of works together, including Hisoka and Gitarakar, is insane. Yeah, for real. Like, like that's... One of the things that... Yeah, I'm sorry. No, go. I was going to say, the one thing that kind of was crazy is how Tampa was so cooperative. I was surprised he didn't, like... Yeah. I was surprised he didn't throw anybody off the boat. I'm amazed. (laughs) Like, he sat in a storm holding a light up for Gon. Like... The Tompa I know would have would have been like, yeah, I'm gonna go throw hold the light up, and then he'd just throw it in the water. You know. Well, gone. No offense, but I'm the the rookie killer. Yeah, exactly. But that it's funny. Um, we we joked about the Universal Translator earlier in, in Star Trek because that's what these three episodes felt like to me. Is they really felt like uh, like a, almost a Star Trek: The Next Generation, like. Mm-hmm. Everybody's kind of stuck together and it's in a single location. So it has a very kind of like television set bottle episode kind of a feel. And uh, everybody kind of like pulls through together and counts on each other. And you think somebody's going to let you down, but they don't let you down. And it's, it's a super weird, ep- like he story. Even has red shirts. It does. Yeah. Those, those dumbasses who won't stay on the boat and yeah. won't help out. They want to just get out there. Yeah. They die there to was- show how serious the situation is. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I do I, like how bland they all looked on the boat. It's like, huh, uh-huh. these guys look not, have no characters that are recognizable. I wonder what's going to happen to them in five seconds. Yeah, one one of them is like a stereotypical like anime drunk. You know, he had the red nose and stuff. But even he looks all strikingly like the guy that on Zevil Island, uh, Pokal hit with the poison arrow. I thought that was the demolitions dude. I could have it backwards at this point, you know. Oh, I, there were, I, I, oh I, you're talking about Bill Clinton. It, yeah, Bill Clinton yeah, is the demolitions <laughs> guy. Yeah, but but in, in his defense, there are a lot of guys that look real similar to oh, him yeah. on that boat. And it's just yeah. like, it's a different hairstyle. They've got a little hat. They've got a little vest. Uh, yeah. vest. There's like, there's just something slightly different about yeah. them. Um, if you're dressed in brown and, and, and other earth tones in the Hunter Hunter universe, you're going to die. <laughs> Because yeah. you are not important to the to the. You got to at least look this insane, this this crazy in this anime to be able to survive this story. You, um, Joe and and Patrick, you guys have been watching the '99 anime. Like you've watched the episodes up until this one, right? Have you watched episodes after episode twenty? Uh, um, Joe has, but he's let me in on some of the weirdness. Okay. Um. The other thing besides the teamwork cooperative nature of this story that feels off is especially in the first episode and episode 18, but even throughout, um, there's a lot of gags. There's a lot of jokes. 
Yeah, there's the um, whole there's the whole uh, room switching thing. Well, there's the room switching thing, but also within that, there's there's the two guys who share a room together, and they both start doing sit ups at the same time, and then like every time you see them after that, they're both doing like sit ups or lunges or or, or, or push ups or or, or something. Some yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Like it's it's like one of them started exercising, and the other was like, "Well, I, I I'm tough too." And then like every time you see them after that. For a long time, they're both still exercising. And you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I thought that was probably the most Hunter out of this entire this entire episode arc because it had that comedy. You know, that like was in ninety the sorry two thousand eleven in the manga. That's yeah, sort it's of weird. it's, it's a funny thing, but it it felt like I think the thing with the and again I haven't read the manga. I'm only watching the twenty eleven anime, but it has jokes. But it's like there's a joke occasionally, and it's like a like a it's just kind of to accent a moment or it's just like a it's like a, a breath of kind of levity in between like heavier stuff but especially this first episode it's just like hey and now comes the joke montage and it was just joke 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 there's jokes when they're looking for the treasure there's jokes in the rooms there's jokes after that uh and they're all pretty good jokes though yeah what yeah. was going dreaming about when he bit uh when he was about to bite, yeah, it was he was uh, he was rooming with Kilo, right? Yeah, and he, he was dreaming about that steak special that they ordered to get into the. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good callback. I didn't even think about that. Very nice. But yeah, yeah. On, the of, uh, on the subject of jokes, I think you're right that um, the '99 version is much more into gags, you know, kind of like setup jokes. While 2011 in the manga kind of like have incidental humor, like things that are funny because they flow naturally from the situation. While like 99 kind of goes out of its way to just like set up like set piece jokes and um, in a very it's classic way. Yeah, there's like a tonal it might have whiplash been just an anime trope at Hold the on, time let's, though. Let's let... Keep going. Uh, there's a tonal whiplash in 99. Like I think on a previous episode, uh, Ramy mentioned that people think of 99 as the dark series um partially because of the color palette but i think there are some very dark points this is not demonstrated in these episodes but uh they have jokes and then the next scene they have like say leorio having a vivid hallucination of his dead friend being alive and then his face is suddenly like just like a skull in front of you and then a grenade explodes it's really kind of all over the place like in a way where i feel the people who were animating the show were just like taking the manga as like you know, sort of a set of guidelines rather than the story that they actually wanted to tell faithfully. Oh, absolutely. And boy, I I don't know if I, I have to say it's incredibly ugly. Like, like this show is not good looking. <laughs> yeah. I don't like the way it looks either. Yeah. Like the, like uh. all the character models are super stiff, like Kilua, especially uh, like constantly is morphing into different body types. Like how, how tall is Kilua? Is he Gon's height? Is he slightly taller than Gon? Is he a head taller than Gon? Like, he's all those things throughout these episodes. Oh, is it Kilo who's inconsistent, yeah. or is it Gon? Because I got the impression it was Gon who's inconsistent. It's, it's, it's a little bit of everybody. Yeah, it's everybody. Guys. But Kilo just yeah. looks so not like himself. Because, like, in, oh, the, actually, in the 2011 anime, he's always, like, slouching around and stuff. And in this, he's got he's got, like... You know, even when he sits down and sort of puts his hands behind his head, his back is too straight. It's just... <laughs> Sorry, Rick. So, well, one of the jokes, actually, um, that that I liked was between Gon and Kilua, the scene where they're fishing. Mm-hmm. 
and uh and and this this is one of those things that uh that they promised that they would do with each other in phase one mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. uh and and so the payoff here is that Kilwa doesn't Kilwa, who's a trained assassin doesn't have the stomach for fishing and and gone's kind of like you've put your hands on way grosser stuff than this <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's uh, and again that that's out of character like completely <laughs> that's not what upsets Kiloa. that's not what gets under Kiloa's skin leorio gets under Kiloa's skin um but yeah, yeah Leorio was kind of pervy and disgusting in in these three episodes too, wasn't he? Was he? I I mean, there's there's some weird stuff when he comes out naked, but um, but my big question with him is like, where's the suit? Where are the glasses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, refresh my memory. What was he wearing here just now? Because I've like just watched so much just Hunter like, Media recently that like, like I forget. Dark pants and a white shirt. No yeah, white shirt. The suit jacket went away. His uh, his satchel slash briefcase went away. Yeah. Um, like, like I'm surprised. Like, I'm surprised he did not carry that down with him in the freaking sponge diver suit. You know, I think he. Uh, I think actually, we actually brought that up on the other podcast where in the manga he actually is missing a lot of his clothes, his, his items, like his glasses. So in the in the manga, it's hard to differentiate him sometimes because it's like where his glasses at, but. And the 2011 one, it seems like it's more consistent with him uh, regenerating his clothing or his items when it's lost or something happened or he gets dirty. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. if It's kind of weird, but at least I mean, that's what I've noticed. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't, he, he doesn't wear his suit for, I, I think, I think he loses the suit jacket in the second, in the second uh, phase because he doesn't have it. Uh, on Zevil Island, and I don't think he has it in Trick Tower in the 2011 anime. Yeah, because I think, yeah, I think he has the jacket in in Trick Tower. He definitely has the 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 valet case. Yeah, but uh, I don't think he he always has his glasses. Yeah, and he always has his glasses in the 2011 anime. Yeah, and in the manga though, like in Trick Tower, he actually doesn't have it. So when yeah. when he actually hopped up to fight the guys, I was like, "Who is this guy fighting them?" <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of their their clothing and stuff regenerating, um, my kid and I were watching uh, a little farther ahead. I'm not going to talk about the details, but one of the things that he brings up is why don't they ever change their clothes and who's doing their laundry? Kilo changes his clothes. Yeah. He's he a does? fashion boy. Yeah, he does. In the future. Kalua is kind of famous for like in the fandom community, just like people are like, oh my god, how does Kalua have so many amazing outfits? Yeah. But uh, in the first twenty six episodes they didn't, and, and like after what happened here in these three episodes, they would definitely need a dry cleaner or something. Wouldn't they? They probably smell really uh really rank after all this because it seems like there's no I, stopping for that. I mean maybe I in the, like, the, the airship. Oh, sorry. Go. I was gonna say maybe in the airship they have the they have some dry, this stuff, but that's all I can really think of is the time they could wash their clothing because it seems like nonstop thing after thing. The only time to stop is in the blimp. I feel like Karapika would would come back with something like a strong body odor is something that every hunter has. <laughs> you know, oh, just like, you mean just according like to one his characterization? Sorry. According to his characterization in this, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Where he's just like where, where he's just like this shitty know it all. 
but he does that a little he does that a little in uh in the uh manga and 2011 anime but this is this is crazy where he's just like telling people stuff that's that no one could know exactly i feel um i mean Raimi, i know you and patrick are, are aware pretty well of like 90s anime tropes and i feel like this section as emblematic of 1999's anime like engages in a lot of like 90s anime tropes that 2011 was able to just let go of that were not in the manga and like i think the lecherousness of you know like the increased um shadiness of uh leorio the know-it-allness of kurapika the like daintiness of the assassin character like as this weird like 90s version of sundere like they're all kind of stock archetypes that existed back then and and like i guess for you like kind of seeing this for the first time like how did it look viewing it in the context of like the 90s it looked like it looked like really shitty 90s anime like like it really like like in term and and written like shitty 90s anime uh you know just like a really boring story with with some good bits but 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 you know just just sort of you know a lot of yeah i don't know it 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 even within itself it felt incoherent it's kind of weird you mention that because at the same time detective conan was airing and that looked much better than this like this looks like like early early 90s versus late 90s for sure i would say i'm not talking about visually yeah i mean like trope wise Okay, I just went visually because you look like you say it looked like crap. Yeah, no, I as far as tropes, I'm bad at tropes. I, I like like I, I, it's not something. It's not how I think about things. But it does. It does feel so. I can't point to anything in specific, but it does feel very generic. Like in terms of this would have fit in right, you know, right along with. I don't know. Uh, I didn't watch. Yeah, I didn't watch much bad anime. Uh, <laughs> well, no, no, no. Because because all the anime I watched was pre was like we're gonna release this because it will sell in the U.S. Okay, mm. like like Project Echo or something or or something like that. One of the one of the. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. Uh, what tropes? Well, are you wait, what, say about? say what you were gonna say about Project Echo because that was actually my intro to anime. Well, it's just it, it's very generic. Yikes. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. now that we've dismissed Rick from the show, no, 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 no. I'm <laughs> willing to argue about it. Bring it. Rick. Uh, it's been, no, it's been this years it. no, since this I saw is, it. No, guys, <laughs> this isn't an Echo. This isn't a Project Echo yeah. bubblegum crisis uh, podcast. Yeah, exactly. We that's should, next week. Yeah, that's, that's week. but, but that's the side one, episode for Airbender. Let's okay, go I'm, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. Uh, was there one called Gunsmith Cats? Yes. Oh, good. Okay, I can name one. Cool. <laughs> so I just wanted to be, I just be one of the cool kids. You know? This is who was the World War II flying pig dude? This is Sub Sailor Moon. Uh, Wait, the, these episodes are Sub Sailor Moon, oh, God, or the ninety nine yeah. is Sub Sailor Moon. Uh, these episodes in particular, like in, okay. in terms of how they look, are sub are Sub Sailor Moon or or other, you know, really mashed out, uh, uh, anime series. Yeah, but what I, tropes I, were you talking about? Like, they just kind of like the idea of like Kilua being so grossed out by that thing when he's like willing to kill. That's kind of like 
a trope of like the inex like the child like who's otherwise like a great fighter or something suddenly being like grossed out by like just um regular life type things Mm -hmm. uh there's the way leorio is portrayed like they go out of their way to make him seem like this cool dude in 1999 in a way they do not in the manga or 2011 where like they just have him get in knife fights with guys and like it's it's very weird but that's like very uh the late 90s like vash the stampede like outlaw star like a uh, cowboy bebop type, you know, tough guy tropes. Yeah. And, um, Oh, Oh, there is one, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Cyper or I forget what or sap that the, the, the woman that with, with the gun. Oh yeah. She is. I mean, she doesn't appear basically in the, in the 2011 anime, but like, she's so generic tough girl. Like, Very like much sort so. of, sorry, just, just to kind of place so, this, if, if I could, yeah. um, what, this this was this anime running was this a contemporary of um like Vash the Stampede and like that was Trigun, right? Like Yeah, Trigun yeah. And, and and yeah, it was it was in the same era. Yeah, I think it might have been slightly after, but same era, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, this doesn't this does not look as good. This does not feel as good as Yeah, no. It just looks like they had budgetary issues and maybe the quality of the stream we watched would maybe would have been affected that because it looks like a straight VHS rip almost. It does. Yeah, for sure. But um I- just for some context, I guess, uh the show like looks a lot better once it gets to a later season, but that's because it switches to an OVA format and mm-hmm. releases much less frequently. Yeah. But um, Ramey, I wish you were further in Yu Hakusho because I'd be very curious to know your oh, thoughts man. regarding the oh, art versus the later parts of Yu Hakusho. Oh, well, I mean, I just watched the first five episodes and Yu Hakusho even, I mean, except for that one episode in those first five that just looks like fucking garbage. Uh, uh, Yu Hakusho, like, it isn't better. It doesn't feel like it's better animated. It just feels like it's better drawn and better thought out generally. I'd, I'd agree classic. with that for the beginning, for sure. Sorry? What was that, Patrick? I was just saying it, it feels more classic. Yu Hakusho feels more classic. Like It feels like a classic anime that if you saw it, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's classic yeah. 90s you know, anime. And this one's like, oh, it's one of those side things, like the weird ones. Yeah, it really, but it, it like sits, like aesthetically, it feels like it sits between Yu Hakusho and something like 08th MS Team. If that, I I know that doesn't make any sense to Rick or John, but but like there's this very like big eyes, really sharp features, uh, really you know spiky stuff that 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 happened in the early two thousands, mm. and and well, and it's like ha- it sits halfway between those two styles, the 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 thing we watched tonight. So I feel to get okay. Go ahead. Oh no, I I've been talking a lot. Go ahead, man. Um like not not to uh, kind of get too farther in kind of the weeds of comparing this with with other anime, it's just for me um the story of these three episodes specifically uh and even a little bit of the art, but definitely the story, it very much feels like cuz we know these are fillers. Yeah. It it feels like they they kind of had some ideas of who the characters are. Um and they're, the story they tell in this kind of elaborates on that stuff. But it, it's obvious that the studio knew what was coming up next because the manga had progressed past this point. Yeah. 
Um, and so I feel like they drop way too many hints about things that are going to happen. They're definitely, they definitely are like, we're going to foreshadow this stuff. Way too much. Like, like that's good. Especially on Zevil Island. Like they, they, they foreshadow a ton of that stuff. Speaking of completely, sorry. I was going to say that they foreshadowed a lot, but completely throughout the part where in the previous test, Kila put his hand into someone's chest and pulled out his still bleeding heart without even blinking. Well, I mean, that's, yeah. that's why the fish gag. That's the fish gag. Yeah, that's like, oh, hearts are fine, but fish heads are, oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Definitely not. That's yeah. why it's and funny. then when it's cooked, ew. Yeah, yeah but, but they also, they, they foreshadowed the stuff with, um, they foreshadow shadow that Get a Rocker is really a Lumai. Yep. Um, yeah. which I didn't expect that to just kind of be kind of plugged into this story. Um, and then they, they, they foreshadow, um, the stuff on the Island itself. Um, with, uh, I'm looking up names here cause I'm real bad with them. Goretta. Uh, with, with Goretta. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what's weird is like in the 2011 anime, when Goretta is the one that kind of, you know, gets gone and takes his badge away. Uh, you don't feel like Goretta is like an asshole. Like he rubs it in Gon's face a little bit, but he also is just kind of like teach. I'm teaching this kid a lesson, and maybe I'm a little bit holier than thou in the fact that I feel like I need to teach this kid a lesson in addition to taking his his badge away. But you don't feel like he's just a real son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, um, not really. But, I mean, but, he seems like he's just trying to pass the exam, and yeah, know, he's just like, like he's like, this is a serious thing. I'm taking it seriously. But in this, the the way this happens on the battleship. Um, and he's like, I don't give a shit about any of these people. They can die. I'm gonna live. Um, and he's like, Wow, he's a real piece of shit. Yeah. And then, and then Gon has to save him. And then well, he has to resave Gon later in this episode. It, it's too like again. It feels like the studio knew what was coming up in the story, mm-hmm. and just was like, Well, I'm gonna spread this stuff out like like butter across this piece of bread we're making. Like way too much of it. Like it's just it's. Uh, it's weird. Like, I don't know how I would have felt about the stuff on the island if I'd seen this beforehand. It is kind of funny seeing all these characters that you know that what their fates are mm-hmm. uh, as, as we have hindsight. But it's kind of funny in retrospect to see, oh, hey, there's that character. He's not going to last long. Or, oh, there's that character. Bye. Yeah, I like Absolutely. that. We, we mentioned the two guys who are who are working out, and that's Goes and and... Botero. Botero. Uh both of whom die really horribly. <laughs> um, not only that, but um, but then, uh, but but Hanzu the snake, yeah. Or, or, yeah, yeah, they're in a room together. Yeah. So, so the beehive is in the room with the snake charmer. Yeah. And you know how that's going to end up on the island, and it's just—it's a weird combination. It's just a super weird combination of, yeah. of decisions, and. You know, for me, and again, I know that they don't do the island exactly like they do in 2011 in the 99. I'm sure there are differences, and obviously it's animated differently, and it's a different studio setting up the shots differently, blah, blah, blah. But when when Hisoka kills... Uh, God, too many of these names, you guys. Um, killed kills the blow dart guy. Yeah, kills Gerda. Um, there's an element... That, like Because Gerda hasn't been set up like he's such a piece of shit... You don't necessarily feel sorry for him, but you definitely feel like, wow, Hisoka is like super badass and really not a good dude. And and you do feel a little bit sorry, like, oh man, he came between Gon and he he you know, like 
Gerda came between Hisoka and Gon, and that really sucks for Gerda. But if I'd seen this episode beforehand, like if this was part of the 2011, when Hisoka kills Gerda, I would have been like, good. <laughs> you know, oh, like, right. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it creates a totally different feeling. They foreshadow too many things in this, I felt. <laughs> My name is Jonathan Dunn, and I'm inviting you to listen to Our Three Cents, a weekly podcast where myself and two of my very best gaming chums are counting down our top 100 favourite video games of all time. For all the episodes and information, check out our website, www.our3cents.co.uk. Hey Chris, what's the War Rocket Ajax podcast about? Well Matt, if we were smart, it'd be about murders, but it's actually about comics. War Rocket Ajax, it's not about murders, but it is weekly on the Greenlit Podcast Network. So, for just like an alternate perspective, I originally read through the manga before ever watching 2011 or 99, and I was always struck by like, oh, why would Goretta be so nice to Gon? So when I first saw the 99 episode, I was like, oh, that's a cool way of like, you know, retroactively making that quote unquote make more sense. But I wonder what about the 2011 version made it feel that it was more foreign to you guys? Another thing that's interesting is in 99, they then go out of their way to even make it more directly reference this thing that supposedly happened, you know, this Hunter Hunter Legends. Mm -hmm. Um, Like he basically says something to the effect of like, oh, yeah, I didn't attack you because, uh, you know, I still feel I still feel really thankful for like what you did on uh, Battleship Island, blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, so they kind of fit it in in a weird way. But I'm wondering if maybe 2011 made possibly in consultation with Togashi, the author, was like, uh, did fix that or something like that. I don't, I don't know how much, you know, input he had on that. I guess I just, I, 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 we definitely talked about how, how weird it was they, it, it, when it happened, how, what was Garrett's motivation for not taking out Gone? But I feel like, like we, at least, I mean, I've always bought, and it sounds like John's bought now too, that, that Garrett respected Gone. That, that he was like, no, this kid's going to try to do something that's impossible. I'm going to let him do it because he's not going to be able to get away from me anyway. But but also he had him dead to rights the whole time. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying he, is that yeah, is he it, could have taken him at any time. So there was no rush. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so he could watch how how this kid practicing so hard, wh- whether it would right. come to anything. But by doing it that way, it it by not setting well, up. Goretta and and Gon having a relationship beforehand, it makes the Gon and Hisoka relationship stronger because there's really nothing to distract from that. Yes, yeah, I could definitely see that for sure. So, so this this stuff on the battleship definitely, um, it just feels uh, it feels weird. What's up with the scene where Hanzo sticks his foot through a ceramic man? Oh and, God, yeah, I, <laughs> what, um, like I don't know. Real, that's real out there. Yeah, it's real early on. Like yeah. it's right at the beginning of episode eighteen, and my kid was watching it with me, and he goes, "Was that guy made of glass?" <laughs> I was like, "I don't know." Uh-huh. It's it's like it's like it's a uh, it's like a ceramic Joseph Stalin, and Hanzo's like, "No, it is <laughs> the weirdest. It is the weirdest thing." I and it's and it's inexplicable. Like I rewound it on YouTube and watched it multiple times. There's the sound of breaking glass. It's like that classic sound effect of breaking glass. Maybe it's one um, of those gag things we talked about earlier where it's like it was supposed to be some funny thing. 
Yeah, but it's there's no setup to it, so I don't know what the gag is. Yeah. So my theory is, since they were treasure hunting, this was like a thing where someone was either smuggling drugs or like you know treasure in like something that looked like it was a buried person. But then you know that kind of falls apart by the idea that if you ever opened it, it would be very clear that it was not decomposing. <sighs> so bizarre. It, really weird. Yeah. There's there... so. There, there was. We were talking about the buried treasure, and there was a the scene where, oh, who was it? Leorio was in the the diving suit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's recovering the shells for Project Break the Battleship Free from the Island, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And he picks up this this little case full of you know what royal gold or whatever it is, and he's like, eh. This is basically useless. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the other stuff is more useful. Uh, and for a reason, like, that's that's a statement that holds up today for completely different reasons. Uh, and, you know, getting a l- little political, but also a little current eventy. Um, that one scene really spoke to me when, when he's like, oh, well, you know, the money itself is actually garbage. It's the utilitarian stuff that I'm worrying about right now. Yeah, yeah, it's a good it's a good character development scene mm-hmm. for him. It's really weird that it's it's such a powerful moment for this, in fact him being down there alone yep. and doing this difficult job. Everything about that yep. sequence was my favorite part of all three of these because um because I like Leorio. Uh but also it's it's it, it makes him super likable. It's like but you it's know totally out of character. It's so out of character for the Leorio that we know from the two thousand eleven <laughs> like, series. I, I love like, Leorio, but but that is not him. Well, I think in the, in the crazy situation of being stranded on the battleship with the weird ten year only stupid cyclone MacGuffin, uh, it, I could imagine him doing that, and okay. he would be like, "Oh, that was a really good character moment for Leo. Like he grew there, because mm-hmm. like, he's he's done things in the 2011 anime where it's like, oh, he really like that was a good moment for him. He's had good moments. He hasn't had quite this good of a moment." But he's definitely had some good moments. He's um, been willing to give up the chance of getting a lot of money for things that are not necessarily as valuable, such as uh, his consensual but still very gross interaction with that woman in Trick Tower. We've already had like five episodes about LaRoute. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So let's get off that subject. But he he has demonstrated himself. Leorio already did. Oh, oh Jesus. Uh, He's demonstrated himself as being willing to sacrifice his monetary gain for sometimes good, sometimes terrible things. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. I look at it from a different perspective where I don't really see it as character development, but just him realizing, oh, well, if I don't do this, I'm going to die horribly with these other people. So yeah, but why I just got to do be this. the one who does it. Like, like that's weird. Like he knows where it is. He could just like be like, okay, it's down there. I, yeah, I think I, just mutual. I guess mutual assured uh, rescue or survival. Okay. I guess in a way where it's like him, uh, someone's got to do it, and you know he's he's just the guy that drew the short end of the straw to do it. So it was he he has idea, so in he the to go. <laughs> but but in in the context of you know pick a freaking news article uh mutually assured survival is not a thing that <laughs> anybody cares about so <laughs> least of all leorio who only wants to be a hunter so that he can make money 
No. Well, I just meant so I just meant making, sure just making sure they all making sure he survives because if he gets these shells, that means he's not going to die with everybody else on the ship and him dying. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's you, sort of what I meant more of mutually assured sur- survival in a way. So so it's more not mutually assured destruction. So he's fighting against mutually like assured opposite. destruction more than more than uh, trying to guarantee uh, survival. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's, it's more of I guess. It's more of he wants to survive and not die horribly is sort of where I was going with that. So something yeah. I wanted to bring up, uh, the idea of mutual assured, like either destruction or survival, we brought up sort of accidentally an angle of game design or game theory, which is something I've been thinking a lot about with the way the Hunter exam is set up. Because something 99 does that the others don't is it makes a question of like, what is the function of each phase? And then it adds, you know, non-canonical phases. So take that as you will. But I do think it's interesting that if you look at this uh, group escape room they have going, I know what they were setting up, which is the idea of you have to be able to collaborate with people even when the rules seem to be thrown out. But there should have been something holding them together more than just mutually assured survival that would make it so they wouldn't pick each other off. Because we talked about the idea that like someone like Hisoka would just pick dudes off. So I kind of wish there had been some constraint put in place either by rules or by some factor there that the more people survived, the better it would be for everyone. But they never went anywhere with that. And that's another big difference between this and even the rest of the exam in the manga in the 2011 is that the rules aren't stated. The rules are always stated at the beginning of of a phase. Like, you know what you're doing and you know why you're doing it. Yeah, it was pretty weird. It's um, more like, oh, hey, sur- surprise bonus stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and just like not giving any guidance and just sort of ha- they need to figure out what to do. That's it. Again, that's that's so not Hunter Hunter. It's very rare that in Hunter Hunter you're in a situation where you don't know what the stakes are. So, I guess. I mean, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of, I, I have spoilers, another mechanic that that shows up um, about what happens with the Hunter exam. I think Joe, I don't know how far you guys got into it, but I think we Joe are, might know what I'm spoil anything. Do not spoil anything. Yeah, we are just, we are just bef- before starting Heaven's Arena. So I gotcha. Yeah. Like, like ju- up to the Zoldic, up to the end of the Zoldic mansion. Okay. So you guys finished Zoldic mansion. Yeah. Oh, yeah I mean, it, it, it goes into the thing where, you know how he said, you know, Hunter exam is not over yet. Mm. And it kind of gives you right. that vibe. But I won't spoil what that means. It's just that sort of idea. That's true. I'd also say. Yeah, because they don't know the rules of that. They think it's over. But the, the in the... Yes and no. We'll see. All shall become clear. Uh, or or <laughs> yeah. unclear. But this is something or I think of going date. forward. Because I really do think of Hunter x Hunter as being not mechanistic, but definitely like being like one of the strengths of its storytelling is sort of, you know, all the elements that are in play and it's either teaching you something about those elements or putting them into use. And, and I think that's important. I think that's, you know, I, I, I I really do feel like that's a fundamental part of what makes Hunter Hunter fun. I'd agree, but I think there are sections where they purposely go out of their way to upend rules in a structured way. Sure. For instance, without spoiling anything, there's the time much earlier in the Hunter exam where they spoke with that old woman who was basically saying, would you rather save your like Ooh. daughter or your son? Ooh, the trolley problem. It, well, yeah, yeah, the sort of trolley problem, but like, there's kind choice. of like a... <laughs> yeah, they basically give you a Great lateral movie. thinking question, and I think 
Um, if you were to look at this as like an example of a puzzle, because I do agree that the grand majority of Togashi's work is mechanistic in a certain way on purpose. This is a lateral thinking question because given you're like left to your own devices, you think of like, what do you need to do? And if you need to survive to pass, then I guess survival is the goal. But this wasn't um, this can be lateral done... thinking. Like this was just like a treasure hunt. This was like a point and click adventure. Yeah, like sorry, lateral thinking might be the wrong term. More like just um, having to realize, having to intuit the rules, which is something that Togashi does in like a number of his works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think it's an example of having to intuit rules that do exist. Yeah, but I don't want to argue about this too much, but I, I will say that the that the Sophie's Choice is a lateral thinking problem because they have to think outside of the outside of the the question but in this they don't have to think outside their situation they just have to get it get to know it better so speaking of the situation getting to know it better uh someone mentioned the barnacles right Mm -hmm. there were barnacles way the heck up there which implies that parts of that structure were underwater for an extended period of time because barnacles need a little bit of time to establish themselves Mm -hmm. so they go through all this, they free the ship, uh, they blow up the tornado. Um, you know, I'm, I'm surprised there weren't sharks coming out of it at some point. Um, I think there was. I saw was one. there? Okay. Yeah, the VHS, the video is so bad you couldn't quite see it, but it was there. Yeah. It well, was and I watched the- I watched it on my phone, so, you know, probably resolution problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably looked better on the phone. <laughs> uh, so, are uh, are we to understand was how long was this area supposed to remain flooded for uh, after that tidal wave came through? um, I don't think it was supposed to have remained flooded for very long. Your point about how barnacles need time. Yeah, that's definitely true. And that's definitely a little bit of a, a fudge of reality there, but I didn't get the impression it was going to last for a long time. It was just going to be long enough that like you guys are going to be swept out to sea and eaten by, you know, sharks and monsters and hunter monsters. Because the the blimp came back, you know, with the proprietors and Netero and whoever else, like the very next morning, right? Like that wasn't, that wasn't just a time lapse that I missed, right? Yeah, no. So like, (laughs) I now think that they're just like, oh, well, we could have, one of the mountains would have been just above water level. We had just gone yeah, the there. We is, wouldn't have had to do all this. It would have only been enough above sea level that two of us could stand on the top. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we know who the two would be. We do know who the two would be. I just want to say that I, I just think the whole mechanics of the whole thing was kind of weird. It's like, oh, yeah. every 10 years, how how are those guys in the ship that were with the log know that? And, like, how many 10 years? And, like, how long were they underneath there? And did they survive? There's, like, a lot of unanswered questions with that just right. and, and just the idea that they were able to salvage the the warship and make it seaworthy again but at one point it was completely submerged underwater well and it was a lighthouse it, it was like it was buried there because they needed a lighthouse there and it's like right it's, it's just a bizarre um boy it doesn't hang together at all yeah. let me tell you when i was i was the the first bit and the treasure hunt man the jokes okay some of the jokes are all right and the weird thing with the ceramic face that gets stepped on it was just i was riding the wave of like this is a little bizarre 
even though Hunter Hunter is just a bizarre show anyways, but I was I was just kind of riding that wave. And then Gon's like, I hear something in the ocean. And they're like, oh, shut up, Gon. And then later on, he's like, did you hear it in the ocean again? They're like, oh, shut up, Gon. And they're like, something's happening. We've been abandoned here. Something bad's going to come out of the ocean. And I was like, monster, 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 monster. There's going to be a monster. I can't wait. We're going to get another cool monster. We Last week, we, we talked about the, like, what was it, 94 pilot? 98, the Studio Pro pilot. Right, which was just like monster, monster, monster. And I was like, yes, we're going to get a big monster and they're going to have to shoot it with the guns on this ship. Like I was Jones and I was ready. <laughs> uh, yeah, Big Storm sucks, you guys. It was boring. <laughs> can, can I ask, did we ever... What did he hear? <laughs> I think the implication is that somehow going with his tremendous sensory powers because they've established he's this like natural savant or whatever we call him the herd the temperature inversion yeah no he just he can hear the the crackling of the the magnetic but they never state it they never are like well what did he hear exactly no it's just like no he just heard the weather they definitely use Gon as like this like magical plot device mm-hmm. in 99 and they're much more guilty of it than they are in either the manga or 2011. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing they foreshadowed is him being able to stay underwater for a really long time foreshadows him being able to hold his breath. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was oh, yeah. kind of weird with the whole uh, Killua and Gon holding their breath for like 30 minutes. Yeah. Ugh. God, so fucking... God, yeah. Uh, one so thing actually... Actually, one thing I wanted to bring up that I, I hopefully it's not going on too much of a tangent, but I actually want to see what you guys felt about the character designs and all the character uh, apparent, like how they appear in this versus 2011. Like, what did you think about the the different character designs and how they sort of look compared to the newer uh, designs that they were given? These feel I mean, a lot blander. Everything feels, yeah. a, and part of that is just the poor quality of the YouTube video, and part of it is just kind of like the way they drew things in, in kind of you know mid to low budget '90s anime. But they all feel a little bit blander. Um, they don't feel as like defined. Uh, their their silhouettes don't cut as strong and, and look as unique. Uh, what if I told you Hisoka was more accurate to the manga at this point than the 2011 one, which is more accurate to later? Well, then I'd say that they made a good decision in 2011. <laughs> I'd agree. Yeah. yeah. I, really? I. I don't. I, I don't agree with that. Like, uh, with you, mean, you don't agree with the it being a good choice that they made in 2011, no, 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 or no, the that, that, that he's more that he's more. He look visually. He looks more like like himself in in 1999. Uh, no, no, no. He so in 99, just like the first two volumes of the manga, he had he as close as canon gets. He had blue hair. Oh, okay. and um, his face was also less pretty looking than it would be later. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, but yeah, I prefer yeah. his later version for sure. Why didn't? Yeah, it's more striking. Like. It feels like Hisoka would have not worried about surviving and would have just been messing with people the whole time. He's like, I mean, he kind of was. Was he? he I mean, he did that. He did the cards on the bed. He kind of just like, you know, uh, like just looked around, watched everybody. You know, he maybe helped gone out a little bit, but he really was kind of 
his inactive usually usual inactiveness when it sees in these situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I felt like he was pretty on on spot actually. Um, I was I was surprised that Elumai does is is so participatory actually, but. But Hisoka, he's basically making the the card towers like through the whole episode. He's never really helping. He's not participating in any of the conversations. He's not there when they vote that uh, Hanzo and Karapika are going to be the leaders. Like he's really like standoffish. Okay. I mean, he doesn't really do anything to save anyone's life except for Gong. That's true. which is hanging cool. around and uh, hanging which, with his which, boyfriend Alumi. Yeah, which is super creepy. You know that he that he that he saves Gong because we know. Yep. Um, yeah. Another weird thing is 99 portrays Hisoka as like this cartoon version of like what psychopathy looks like. While 2011's more like, uh, what if you had someone who, based on my like pop cultural understanding of sociopathy, he's like that, which, you know, pretty different things, but, uh, they went with it again. This is another instance where they went with an archetype, whether or not it was actually the text of the manga. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, but I can understand, like, the thing I don't get is Karapika falling apart at the end of the third episode. Like, I, like, Karapika might be my favorite character, and just, and, and, and this is going completely off later stuff, so, but I'm not going to say anything specifically, but it's so out of character for him to lose his shit like that. You mean like how he hit his head and got knocked out, or are you referring to something just, else? Just like when he found out Leorio was what, what was like he was paralyzed with sadness. Yeah, oh. and, he did, and he kept stalling the. the yeah, he kept skate. stalling, and then and then he got knocked out like a chump, and it's just mm, not a great not a great storyline for a Karapika. Well, he does. Sorry, go ahead. It, he he does get to kind of be the the general leader, and he is kind of the voice of reason throughout. So I don't feel like it's that far off from what I've seen in the 2011 one. Um, the emotionality in the at the end of the third, I will I will kind of agree with you. It was a little bit, um, it was a little bit too much. Like even um, at this point, the only emotion Karapika really feels is rage. Like, <laughs> like everything else is muted. The only time he get he 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 really like expresses a, 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 an emotion is when he's super angry. Right. Mm. Um, I feel I mm, this yeah this borders on spoiler territory, um, but I feel that the inflection point of Kurapika's attitude towards a number of things happens relatively soon and that some of it was like hardening himself compared to where he was at prior mm. okay uh let's do this again sometime please uh this was yeah. this no, was a lot of fun good. yeah for sure uh, yeah if you guys um over on your podcast i mean i know you guys are following specific series but if there's like a a movie or like a limited run kind of a series or something uh there are you some there are interesting some- that would be kind of neat to kind of hop back on and do something similar to this, you know, for sure. Yeah. yeah there I know a lot of, uh, a lot of movies. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah they're, another, another very special episode. Yeah. And you guys already did the musical, right? Yeah. Don't do the musical. If you guys got a chance, don't. Yeah. Do it. I, it actually is kind of funny. We did that right before this. And then I watched this like, Oh yeah. I'm just imagining all the voice act, the actors on stage now with the voices. Oof. Yeah. Four, four of them are 
actually the people who voice the characters on, in the musical. In the 99 one? Yeah. Wow. So, so there's some, go ahead. Like, so the people playing the characters on stage are the voice actors. Yes. For the main four and Hisoka. And I think Illumi. That's brutal. Cause I mean, yeah, they're actually pretty good. They are pretty good, but, but I like it. It makes me understand why they can't dance. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Illumi is able to dance to the point where I'm just like, wow, did Illumi actually come from musical theater? Yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, the others, I get it. Yeah. It, which is too bad because the Hisoka dance is very cool. Anyway, uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, uh, Spirit Hunters, where can we find where, where can we find you out there on the World Wide Web and whatnot? Patrick, take it away. All right. Well, you can find us at uh, on Facebook and Twitter at the spirit hunters or spirit hunter or at the spirit or at spirit hunter pod. Uh, you can find us on podient on, on uh, yeah, podients, uh, pod beans, iTunes, uh, Google play, wherever podcasts aren't sold as our tagline usually is. But uh, yeah, you can find us all over there. Find us on Twitter, send us a message. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we yeah, the works of, Yoshiro Tagashi yeah. generally starting with Yu Hakusho and we're on Hunter Hunter now, but uh, you know, kind of yeah. crossing paths with uh, with y'all. It's been fun. Yeah, yeah. Just... We're slowly getting the JoJo. Then we can make all the JoJo memes we we want. <laughs> really, is that your next pro- next project? Is JoJo? No, uh, no. We have a number of uh, Togashi works to get through, but then eventually we're going to get to uh, what are his influences and what did he influence? And one of his major influences, as will become later. As will become clear later in Yu Hakusho and in Hunter Hunter is Jojo. He is yeah. very clearly a huge uh, Araki fan. Yeah. Yeah, Jojo's pretty long, so we maybe do like the OVA or something. Yeah, we would I do a small know. subsection. Okay. Well, if you do any of those earlier uh uh series, like if they're shorter, I, I would love to I would love to do that. Since I'm doing Yu Hakusho, I'd love to do some of the digging back. So, you know. If you'd like a guest star, a guest or something, I would love to do that. That'd be um, great. Yeah, We'd sure. love to have you. Great. Get some laser discussion going on too. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I'll, I'll be watching them via via uh, legitimate means. Gotcha. No, I'm just anyway. We're gonna say the X. Thank you so <laughs> much for listening. You can find us at Say the X Pod on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Say the X on Facebook, SayTheXPod.com, where you can download all of our episodes as they come out. Episode 15 just dropped, uh, 16 will be next week. Um, all our, our music, which may or may not be playing right now, is by Jake Cook. His band Seal Pup is found where all great streaming music is is heard uh thank you all so much for listening whoever's listening to this and uh see you next week later Ya sada